It's game day, and this is the home of Scottish football. It's Clyde One Super Scoreboard. Good afternoon and welcome to Clyde One Super Scoreboard as the Premiership returns with a bang and a six-game Saturday. The big stories at St Mirren where three coronavirus-stricken keepers are out with an emergency one signed this afternoon. Rangers looking to build on their good start when Dundee United visit and Celtic have new boy Shane Duffy available for the trip to Ross County. I'm Gordon Duncan in the studio with me Mark Wilson, Andy Halliday and Hugh Evans. There's a sterile atmosphere inside the grounds for medical reasons. There's an excitable atmosphere outside the ground for football reasons. Rangers have scored more and lost fewer than anyone. Could Dundee United possibly upset anything at Ibrooks? No is the answer you are looking for. Celtic have spent fortunes on Duffy, Ayeti, Barkas, El Yunusi, and David Turnbull. Could Ross County leave a mark on a multi-million pound side? No is the answer on your questionnaire. Now go on, tell me I'm wrong. He's gone in early on the predictions, two minutes past two. I think that's a new record. Mark Wilson, six games, some fans back, emergency goalies. It's all happening. Yeah, Scottish football is back. It's always great when we come back off an international break, but to have all six games in the one day at three o'clock is a treat for us. Plenty stories, plenty talking points. That's even before a ball's kick, so thoroughly looking forward to it this afternoon. Andy Halliday, great to have you along on a Saturday afternoon. How are you? Are you well? I'm good, thank you. Thanks for having me on. Pleasure. I was just looking there, the, the realisation on your face when Hugh Keevan started his <laughs> opening gambit there as to what have I got myself in for this afternoon. Yeah, and I'm sure Ross County and Dundee United fans are very happy with him, but I've been used to that. <laughs> exactly. Who cares? Who cares? <laughs> exactly. Right, so we've got the top team all around the grounds. It really is all happening. I cannot remember the last time or if we've ever had all six games at three o'clock on a Saturday. So let's not hang about. Let's start the furthest away. Gordon DL has been telling me all week how happy he was to begin up to Dingwall. <laughs> It's Ross County against Celtic. He's alongside Alison Conroy. Let's get the teams. And it is a debut for Shane Duffy for Celtic this afternoon up in Dingwall. He goes straight into the starting 11 for this one. So far... Ross County will be Ross Laidlaw in goal. A back four of Connor Randall, Cole Donaldson, Alex Iacobetti and Josh Reid sitting just in front of them. Ian Vigers. Then the four of Michael Gardine, Jordan Tilson, Harry Payton and Ross Stewart. Billy Mackay up top. Then on the bench, Morris Draper, Shaw, Watson, Charles Cook, Kelly Monroe, Wright and McKinnon. So for Celtic, as I said, it is a debut for Shane Duffy as they go for a 3-5-2 formation up in Dingwall. It will be Vasilius Barkas in goal. A back three of Chris Julian, Shane Duffy and Chris Iyer. Midfield five of Jeremy Frimpong, Callum McGregor, Olivia and Cham, Scott Brown and James Forrest. Up top, Albion, Ayeti and Odson Edward. On the bench, Bain, Taylor, Klamala, Sorrow, Turnbull, Christie, Ilianusi, Elhamid and Welsh. Your referee for this one is Andrew Dallas. Gordon DL, you called it when we were talking about it earlier and as a back three for Celtic. Yeah, no surprise. I had to get Duffy right in. There's no point waiting about for him. He's match fit. Um, you know, he gets into a back three, very strong at the back. The big question mark would be who would be the, f- uh, the wing-backs. Frimpong, big favourite, obviously. I found Frimpong a long time ago. He comes in. And Forrest goes down the left, which is quite surprising. A lot of people thought just go with natural with uh, Greg Taylor. But it's a very attacking, very strong Celtic side. I watched, Living- uh, sorry, I watched Ross County prior to the international games at Livingston. And I've got to say they're big, they're physical, but they were very, very poor. 
I'm expecting Celtic to win this comfortably, Alison. But let me just say first and foremost to the boys in the studio, I am delighted to be here. <laughs> it's been a fantastic four hours. The scenery has been 18 great. 18 years, he says, since he last did. It's, it's not changed a bit. And I am so delighted that you kept Mark, the gaffer Wilson and Andy Halliday in the studio and sent me up here over a minute. And we're also watching, there are some fans right across from us, Gordon, taking their seats for this one. Strange, yeah, because we've been out to a few games and uh, obviously it's just the press and the TV guys that you see uh, walking about. But it's nice, Alison's got a nice feel to it. Obviously, it's not the biggest stadium in the world, so it will help, and I think it will help the players. 300 fans will be watching this one, but no singing, no chanting. Might be still quiet. No, but I wish they would turn that off in the back then if there was no singing, because I can hardly hear myself talk. But uh, it's just good to be back. It's good to look. I know it's not going to last. The next one's October the fifth before we make decisions. But it's a test today, mm -hmm. and it's just nice. Even when we're walking in from outside, you know, you could see some of the supporters out, desperate to get back in and see their team playing live football. So the big news up in Dingwall is it is a debut for Shane Duffy for Celtic this afternoon. Very exciting Celtic team I expected that Shane Duffy to come in He has said all the right things He is iconic in the eyes of the Celtic supporters And he hasn't kicked a ball yet So the real excitement And the real test for Ross County I think will come middle to front from Celtic That's a very exciting looking team Against a Ross County side Who have lost all of their last four games they, If they are not lambs to the slaughter There's something far wrong he never learns um, Mark Wilson It's the knock-on effect Of Shane Duffy Coming into the side though Because it means Celtic Go three at the back yeah. It means that Frimpong and, and Forrest By the looks of it Would, would play wing-backs And it means two up front The thing that many people Have been longing for uh, And it's a Yeti Going in alongside The returning Odson Edward Yeah I think uh, A lot of Neil Lennon signings Well a Yeti uh, For a one example that he's brought to the club to play two up front to partner Edward but he couldn't <coughs> quite fit him in uh, in the weeks gone by because he didn't have that other central defender Duffy comes in allows Neil to play his preferred 3-5-2 we chatted about it on Thursday how um, that Neil at the turn of the year going to a 3-5-2 certainly changed Celtic the way they played and they got so much success from it so he's reverting back to that today my one surprise is that there is no Ryan Christie now I don't know if that's because Maybe he picked up a knock Maybe He's on the bench Yeah I would have thought Ryan Christie in there Ahead in Cham And I think in Cham Is a, a, a top top player But I think Celtic Look better with Christie In the team Right but let's hear from Let's hear from the managers Sorry Stuart Kettlewell And Neil Lennon Yeah I think Celtic Will be intimidated by it Won't they If there's a couple of hundred fans In all seriousness I think it's uh, it, It's one of those ones that, Yeah of course we have We've got to try and use it To our advantage But I think just in principle was playing Celtic at home then we have to try and make that an advantage Parkhead's an extremely difficult place to go and play we played there in a pre-season friendly um, in an empty stadium and it's still an intimidating place to go it's still a tough place to go so I think when you're playing any old firm we always look at um, we always look at that aspect of trying to have home advantage and seeing how you can you can capitalise on it Out of the six games of one, two, drawn two, lost two so um, I think they're a very stable club um, I think they, they play really good football at times um, and I think going up there it's a good time to go up there at this stage of the season because you can get very inclement weather later on in the season so we're wary of the threat you know and then Stuart they've got a very good player at this level and he can be a handful for anyone at any time they've got Gardain who's been a good player for a long long time so we know we're we're going to get tested but you know our mindset now is we've had a very very good couple of days training where the, the squad is buoyant and we're very much looking forward to the game 
So a debut for Shane Duffy for Celtic uh, Odson Edward returns up front alongside Albion Ayeti Let's keep going around the grounds We've got big games everywhere we look this afternoon Ibrooks for Rangers against Dundee United Here's Andrew McLean Well can you believe it's been so long since these teams last met That Mark Wilson started the last match oh. between these two You have to go back to the Scottish Cup semi-finals of 2014 For the last game which happened here uh, Dundee United running at 3-1 winners on that day Six years have passed since then The two teams ready to do battle again Rangers of course looking to continue that unbeaten start Where they've not only not conceded in the Premiership But they've barely conceded any chances really Opening the, over, uh, the opening six games Very good at suppressing teams so far But Steven Gerrard still looking for more In the final third from his players He said this week A bit of a mixed bag for Dundee United so far They've won two of six But they have had a lot of praise at times as well Especially for the way they competed at home to Celtic A few weeks ago but they've had that heavy 4-0 defeat to Kilmarnock to stew over the international break. As for the team news, it's one change for Rangers. Philip Hellander drops to the bench. In comes Leon Balogun. So it'll be a 4-2-3-1 for them today. John McLaughlin continues in goal. It'll be James Tavernier at right back. A 250th Rangers appearance for him today. Connor Goldson, Leon Balogun and Bonabarisic make up the back four. Ryan Jack and Stephen Davis in midfield with Brandon Barker, Yanis Hadji and Ryan Kent in behind Kemar Roof. The substitutes Firth, Bassey, Hellander, Patterson, Kamara, Arfield, Stuart, Morelos and Itton. The big team news for Dundee United is that Lauren Shankland is back but he's only on the bench for them today. He's not featured since the opening day of the season. It's two changes for them. Out go Connolly and Chalmers in come Edwards and Powers. A 4-1-4-1 for them. Benjamin Segrist in goal. The back four Lewis Nielsen, Mark Reynolds, Ryan Edwards and Jamie Robson. Callum Butcher just in front of them are the midfield four of Luke Bolton, Ian Hark, Dylan Powers and Peter Pollitt, the lone striker, former Rangers man, Nicky Clark. The substitutes, Dennis, Sporla, McMullen, Smith, Chalmers, Freeman, Shankland, Apery and Graham. The referee here at Ibrooks today is Kevin Clancy. Let's hear from both managers in that one then Stephen Gerrard and Mickey Mellon Yeah I think it's very difficult to pick teams further down the line beyond Dundee because you never know you know, if players are going to come through you never know who's going to be showing signs of fatigue uh, players are coming back off internationals some people have had more minutes than others already I think what you do is you try and prepare your squad and have enough numbers and enough good options in your squad to cope with the schedule but this month it's, it is going to get more intense with the return of the, the, the Euro qualifiers but we actually play less games than normal so it is a schedule that over the last couple of years we've got used to and it's down to me and it's my job and responsibility to try and manage players at the right time and, and make sure the team's looking fresh uh, I think we've managed to do that so far pretty well It's common since Celtic Rangers would be the ultimate tests of any club in Scotland. So Rangers going down to there will be the same way that we treated Celtic. We will go down there, be positive, and we will find out where we're up to as a team. We will look at that um, and try and improve at that and uh, keep trying to move it forward. And, and honestly, that's simply how, how we'll look at it. But we think that we're, we're moving ahead um, at a good tempo as a team and uh, we'll try and improve on the last test that we had, and that was that was against uh, Kilmarnock. So we'll, we'll we'll look to continually try and improve that. Andy Halliday, the headline team news from Ibrooks, and it always is one way or another. Is Alfredo Morelos whether he plays or whether he doesn't today? He is on the bench. Does that surprise you? Yeah, personally, a little bit surprised. I think especially after the manager's comments last week, uh, he said he's seen an inc- uh, an increase in his attitude towards his try to get fit. He's came back in over uh, international break on his own back and. I mean after the comments I was fully expecting Alfredo to play but I've got to say on a side note to have 250 appearances in five years that's 50 games a season so 
Incredible achievement for him It's incredible consistency isn't it We know very well on, on the phone lines And on Twitter here that he divides opinion at times yep. But, but to, to be there and to be available And, and to churn out that number of games In that time frame is incredible consistency Yep and it's not just the games I don't remember missing him many days in training at all uh, And I think I read a stat earlier That in five years he's missed 17 games And I think only two of them have been forced So it just shows the, the commitment he's got And how well he looks after he's selling yeah, it's, uh, like I said, it's, it's full credit to with, yourself. With regard to Morelos, Andy, for me, it flies in the face of logic. He's the best striker at the club. You're trying to move him on for a very, very hefty fee, and he's just sitting there. Why? Well, in my opinion, a fully fit, fully committed Alfredo's the best striker at the club. And uh, if the managers came out and said that last week, that's certainly why I'm, I'm a little bit surprised that he's not playing in... You know, there's always that that joke about Alfredo's weight and listen, see if you're wanting me to pile on the pound, sit him on the bench for three minutes. So <laughs> sure As I say, that. I just don't get it. You know, that if if you're not playing, why? Well, you, you do have a winning team, though. Essentially, there is it perhaps a nod to that. It's too early in the season to say this is the established first pick team, and Stephen Gerrard has shown, particularly with regard to the goalkeeping position, that what you've done in the past is neither here nor there. But I just think if you're if you have Morelos and he is in terms of hard cash you're jewel in the crown and you are looking to move him on at some point for an awful lot of money why is he not playing football? Yeah off the back of like you said as well a winning team and not expecting that change well that's maybe a little bit why I'm surprised that Balogun's came in for Hollander mm-hmm. I know he started the season very well but you know Phil along with the rest of the back four has been solid over the last three victories Plenty to discuss from all the games let's keep going and fill you in with the remaining team news uh, the strongest team in the league holding everybody up the mighty well Fraser Wishart what's things looking like at Fir Park today? It's looking good as always pitch looking fantastic as I, I walked past it and uh, I know it's early in the season as you're saying there about Motherwell being bottom of the table and they really could do with a victory today no they panic yet but uh, they haven't won in the league this season six league games two draws their only victory versus Glentoran in, in Europa League and their next two league games are Aberdeen away and Rangers at home so they could really do with a win today and I think it'll be a welcome win for Stephen Robinson but they'll find it difficult against St Johnston in recent years the away team has tended to hold the upper hand in this fixture and St Johnston will come here with Plenty of confidence. I saw them last time out a couple of weeks ago against St Murn and they were excellent, controlled the game through and should have actually won more than just the one goal that was scored by Stevie May. The boost for Callum Davidson was that return to scoring of Stevie May. He got the winner. Goal scoring's been a problem for them. They've played some decent football, but just not finishing off the good football and the good moves that they've had. Although Callum Hendry will start today and has actually played well this season. He could just do with a goal or two just to kickstart his season. But Stevie May will have a big part to play this season. Stephen Robinson in the media midweek talking about his team getting back to basics and he has changed change to the 3-5-2 formation he played a few years ago with some success so probably going to get the ball forward earlier and try and play nearer to the opponent's goals and Johnson unsurprisingly unchanged from a team that convincingly beat St Myrna a fortnight ago Callum Davidson saying he's delighted to have a full squad to choose from after injuries to experienced players Clark, Kane and Davidson they are all back in the squad two changes from Motherwell Long and Grimshaw are out with McGinley back from his injury and Lang coming into the team Trevor Carson's in goals are back three Declan Gallagher Beavis Mugabe and Ricky Lamy five across the middle Stephen O'Donnell, Alan Campbell, Mark O'Hara, Liam Polworth and Nathan McGinley with the two up top, Callum Lang and Tony Watt. The subs for Mother, Peter Morrison, Liam Grimshaw, Jordan White, Jake Hasty, Barry Maguire, Sherwin Seedorf, Ross McIver, Max Johnson and Christopher Long. Unchanged 3-4-3 for St Johnson. Elliot Parrish keeps his place in goals. Jason Kerr, Liam Gordon and Jamie McCart at the back. Danny McNamara, Ali McCann, David Wotherspoon, Scott Tanzer in midfield with Michael Halloran, Callum Hendry and Craig Conway as the forwards of subs. 
Alexander Clark's back in, Liam Craig, Stevie May, Murray Davidson, Isaac Alaofi, John Robertson, Sean Rooney, Chris Kane and Wallace Duffy. And the referee today at Fir Park is Ewan Anderson. And we've got some fans in at Pataudry as well. Dave Galloway is watching Aberdeen against Kilmarnock. Thanks, Gordon. Well, Aberdeen had certainly built up ahead of steam, ahead of the international break, with four successive victories across the Premiership and Europa League. And they will, of course, have these 300 fans here to cheer them on. They're just starting to uh, filter into the south stand, which is uh, dead opposite where I'm sitting in the main stand uh, right now. Uh, Derek McInnes' Don's then certainly on form, and they turned in probably the best performance of the season so far with their 1-0 win away to Hibs. However, after an uncon- Convincing start to the campaign, Kilmarnock served notice of their intentions with an impressive 4-0 thumping of Dundee United and they come here with confidence. Let's run through the teams then. Aberdeen are unchanged, no great surprise there. Joe Lewis in goals, it's a back three of Tommy Holbin, Andy Constantine and Scott McKenna. Across the middle, Matty Kennedy, Lewis Ferguson, Ross McCrory and Johnny Hayes. Uh, Marley Watkins will lead the attack with Ryan Hedges and Scott Wright in support. The Don substitutes then Cherney, Logan, Taylor, McGeoch, Ojo, McLennan, McGinn, Main and Anderson. As for Kilmarnock, well just the one change for them, Ross Millen comes in and Zeno Ibsen Rossi drops to the bench. Danny Rogers is in goals, the former Aberdeen keeper of course, returning to his former uh, stomping ground. It's a back four today of Ross Millen, uh, Kurt Broadfruit, Stuart Finlay and Callum Waters. In midfield, Greg Kilty, Gary Dicker, Aaron Tishbola and Chris Burke. Up top, Eamon Brophy and Nike Kabamba. Substitutes, uh, Doyle, McGowan, Honstrip, Dicamona, Ibsen Rossi, Pinnock, McKenzie, Cameron and Whitehall. And the match referee at gloriously sunny Pataudry is Bobby Madden. Tony Macaroni for Livingston against Hamilton, Roger Hanna. Yeah, welcome to El Plastico Livingston versus Hamilton 10th against 11th in the Premiership Livy, after a very poor start Gordon, they've only had one defeat in their last four games They are up to 10th, courtesy of a, a win here last time out against Ross County Only one change for Gary Holt this afternoon That's his namesake Jason Holt coming in to replace Craig Sibbald in the midfield So they will go with Robbie McCrory and go back from his first uh, session away with the Scotland national team It's a back four of Nicky Devlin, Effie Ambrose John Guthrie was a match winner against County two weeks ago and Julian Serrano Marvin Bartley sits just in front in a midfield four of Alan Forrest Jason Holt Scott Pittman and Scott Robinson with Lars Lokoch up front still no Anthony Stokes in the match day squad for Livy their subs Striek Lawson Sibold Crawford Tiffany McMillan Poblatnik Taylor Sinclair and Kuidar Asa Asparakis well they could go above Livingston with a win here at the Tony Macaroni Arena this afternoon but Brian Rice has got fullback problems Scott McMahon the skipper suspended after his red card against Rangers two weeks ago and Lee Hodgson of course in self-isolation after this week's COVID-19 dramas. That means a first appearance of the season for fit again Will Collar in midfield with Scott Martin reverting to right back and a first Premiership start for young Kyle Monroe at left back, a young player who was on loan in the juniors at Clyde Bank last season and interestingly enough on the bench for the first time 19 year old Daryl Meikle, another who was loaned out to the juniors last season, played near here with Lynn Lithgow Rose so they have Ryan Fulton and goal a back four of Scott Martin, Hakim Odofan who was a Livingston player last season Scott 
Warren, who will captain Ackies for the first time, and Kyle Munro. Midfield four, Will Collar, Ross Callaghan, Regan Mimno and David Moyle, with David Templeton just behind Marius Ogumpo. The substitutes for the visitors, Gurley, Hamilton, Trafford, Fjortov, Winter, Olabi, Johnson, Mikkel and Callum Smith. And the referee here at a very windswept Tony Macaroni Arena is Don Robertson. It's not often you can say that the big team news of the day comes from St Mirren, but it is undoubtedly the case today. What a situation at the Paisley Club over the last 24 hours or so. We're going to go there next. Scottish football's league leader. This is Clyde One Super Scoreboard. It's a six-game Saturday in the Scottish Premiership. We've already given you team news from Ross County Celtic, Rangers Dundee United, Aberdeen Kelly, Motherwell St Johnston and Livy Hamilton. Um, I thought I'd save the best or the most important or the most bizarre until last Hugh Keevans because St Mirren, the breaking news on the show last night that they are without three, not one, not two, but three goalkeepers due to the coronavirus restrictions. They had to make a late move, a very late move, uh, to sign Bobby's Lamal from Hearts and he he goes straight into play for St Mirren against Hibs today. I can fully understand why the emphasis has been on the three goalkeepers. However, we live in the COVID-19 times and this will happen periodically throughout the season to St Mirren and every other club. I think emphasis today might put on the fact never made three goalkeepers. St Mirren have only scored three goals in the season so far and they're playing a Hibs side that uh, Jack Ross has going very well. So... Bobby Zlamal is a proper goalkeeper. He may not be everyone's cup of tea, but he's a proper goalkeeper. So it's the outfield that must concern St Mirren today as well. You'd have to be pretty uh, cold at heart to not have some sympathy, Roger Hanna, for St Mirren, losing three goalkeepers so late. It has sparked a debate amongst people questioning whether the game should be off, should it go ahead at all. What's your own take on it? Um, I, listen, I can see both sides but I think they made an error the SPFL two or three years ago when they forced Wraith Rovers to go through with a game against Air United when they didn't have a goalkeeper Ryan Stevenson had to an outfield player had to play in goals for Wraith Rovers so they've made a rod for their own back with that what I think was a wrong decision at the time Gordon so when St Mirren made their plea yesterday I think they were back, they'd backed themselves into a corner and had to make the decision for this game to go ahead and whether that meant Bobby's Lamar in goal whether it meant Jamie Langfield in goal, whether it meant an outfield player in goal, St Mirren were just going to have to go on with it and, and, and I tend to think you know, a lot of people will say, oh it was only Ray Throvers and this time they'll say, oh, oh it was just St Mirren but in these COVID-19 times, what happens next month if it's Barkas, Bain and Hazard or it's McGregor, McLaughlin and Firth and suddenly the SPFL have a big problem in their hands. Listen to the show last night, I think Fraser and Hugh were right in what they were saying. Um, St Mirren, through no fault of their own, were left in a very, very difficult position. Oh. Listen, oh, we've got you back, Roger. We lost you for a second. Keep going. I'm sorry, Abuji, I don't know how much of that you heard, but I, 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 I think the league didn't help St Mirren. Um, I think the, the initial decision of the Wraith Rovers goalkeeper three seasons ago when they, they forced Wraith to play with an outfield player was wrong. That's backed themselves into a corner. They, they had very little wriggle room with St Mirren last night. They had to tell St Mirren to go on and play, whether it was with Lamar in goal, Langfield in goal, an outfield player in goal. But it, it, what happens next in these COVID-19 times if next month... Yeah, the big the game next month. Out? Yeah, we, we did. We caught, we caught that bit. Roger, what is um, what it sparked though is people to turn around and say rightly or wrongly 
Aberdeen got games postponed because of this And Celtic had games postponed because of this What's the difference this time? Is that a valid comparison or are those different? Be- be- because the government intervened last time Because there had been what you would describe as Wrongdoing in the eyes of the government There was wrongdoing by the Still well, sounded so good on you know, you? I think that in these COVID-19 times We're practically on a war footing We are fighting a, a disease And we're trying to safeguard players, trying to safeguard lives. So, if Bobby's Lamal plays today, is he an upgrade on the number three goalkeeper at St Mirren? Maybe even the number two goalkeeper at St Mirren? And if it's next month, and it's the three Celtic goalkeepers or the three Rangers goalkeepers, the precedent has been set. Go and get yourself an emergency loan goalkeeper because we can't go on postponing matches or the season will never end. It's a pretty difficult one, Andy Halliday. You've obviously got to have sympathy for St Mirren. As far as pre-match preparation goes, that's brutal for, for Jim Goodwin and everyone involved. Yeah, and I really worried about the news when I read it last week. Obviously, it came out and it was reported that Jack uh, obviously caught the virus on the Monday and knowing how it works just now, there's a, the, the twice-weekly testing. So there was always a high probability that someone else within the squad had obviously caught the virus as well. And so be it. It was the three goalkeepers, obviously knowing how goalkeepers work, they, they turn within themselves, they're in close proximity. So it's an absolute nightmare situation for St Mirren, but no, it's all pressure down to Bobby to come in and try and keep a clean sheet for them. Yeah, Mark Wilson, again, what's your own take on it? Should that game have been postponed? I think it should have been. I, I really do think it should have been. Now, I get that it's a different situation from the Aberdeen and the Celtic games and punishment for wrongdoing, but in the fairness... uh uh, or whatever you want to call it Sport Integrity or whatever Fairness I think that game should have been called off For St Mirren Jim Goodwin's left at the 11th hour To get an emergency loan And I get what you're saying to you About Bobby Samal Might be an upgrade But it's a new guy Coming in the dressing room And trying to fit into a squad That he doesn't know And try to perform And I don't think it's fair On St Mirren Through no fault of their own They've found this situation Now we've mentioned it before with the Aberdeen situation, the Celtic situation, before the ball was kicked in the first game of this season, I thought there should have been protocols that the teams knew. If there was any wrongdoing, this is what your punishment was. If there was any situations like we find ourselves in now, this is what happens. The game's postponed and it's moved to a midweek fixture. To be and there's fa- nothing there. Well, to be fair, though, I've heard that a lot, but maybe we are seeing the protocol in play. We're seeing that if you can play the game, you play it. And that, that's what's happening. So... You, what exactly is it that you're looking for in terms of this this clear guidance? Clear, well, there was no clear guidance over the Aberdeen and the and the Celtic thing. That was made up as we went along. We all stood in here and thought, what's what's going to harm? And the similar situation now, goalkeeper as a specialist position. I mean, it is unlucky beyond belief to have three goalkeepers. But again, can we all make something up as we go along? Then to to suit that argument. You know, it's different if it's a young boy, a centre-half and a goalkeeper. Yes, I suppose you can look at the situation and go, the game could be played. But when it's three goalkeepers, surely the, the governing body looks at that and thinks, there is a special circumstance here. we postponed day games easy enough. This one falls into that criteria. Uh, Fraser Wisher, I know from listening to you last night, that's not quite the way you see it. Is that fair? 
No, I, I think what's happened is correct. I wouldn't have wanted the game to go ahead without a goalkeeper. I think that's wrong, and, and Roger raising the, the time when Ryan Stevenson um, played in goals, that was wrong as well. But you, you can't just base your rules on something that happened three years ago. You know, that, that has to move forward. We have to move with the times. We have to be a bit more flexible because of COVID. And there is rules in place, Mark. There is rules in place if, if you're goalkeepers and you've got no goalkeepers. And that's what's happened. Get an emergency loan for seven days and you get another goalkeeper. You, you, you can't, we can't have um, a situation where... where you know, we cater for every single thing that's going to happen in, in COVID times. It's just not going to happen, and we want to get as many of our games on as possible. So I, I think it's right the game goes ahead. I wouldn't have wanted the game to go ahead if they didn't have a goalkeeper. I think that's totally unfair to the integrity of the competition. But there are rules in place there. If your goalkeepers aren't, aren't able to play, you can get an emergency loan, and that is what has happened. So for me, it's a sensible outcome. Of course, it's going to be harsh on St Mern. It's unfair on St Mern because they, they, it's not, not, not their wrongdoing. We'll be seeing that on a monthly basis basis, almost weekly basis for this whole season because the, the cases are rising in our country and players are not they're actually more protected than most public but they still have lives outside of football and they're going to pick up from somewhere so we're going to have to live with it, we're going to have to move forward with it we want to get our games played as much as possible and I, I don't agree that the, the Celtic and Aberdeen game should have been postponed at the start of the season both Celtic and Aberdeen wanted to play them I think there might have been pressure behind the scenes on, on the, the football authorities but I think they should have just said no, these games go ahead, you play without players, if, if, you, if you're if, unless it's a you can't get a team on the park nobody uh, knew have to move Fraser in terms of today though sorry Hugh in terms of today though in the goalkeeper situation if Jim Goodwin couldn't get a goalkeeper of the quality as Lamallon and it, the word's there emergency alone he didn't have a lot of time to do it and that standard of goalie wasn't there so he had to drop down to a certain standard is that still not unfair for St Mirren to be hampered well supposing the, the, nobody knew the name of St Mirren's third goalkeeper until Gordon mentioned it in the programme last night so if the protocols had allowed him to play and he is clearly not up to the premiership level as yet was that any less fair or was that any better for St Mirren than having Bobby's Lamal well I suppose he's there at least and he knows his teammates and he's not rocking in at 12 o'clock or whatever it was this afternoon Fraser you can't cater for every single rule. What do we say, right? If your three goalies are out on a Friday, the game's off. But if three goalies are out on a Monday, then you've got a week to get a goalie in. So it's there for the game's on. You can't. It's impossible to cater for every single situation. And, and I think that's why it should be that unless it's extreme circumstances, i.e. like we used to have, if a whole team was out with the flu and you couldn't put 11 men in the park, then fine, you know, you cancel the game. But if you get four or five players out and they catch COVID and there's no health risk, the important thing for me here is there's no health risk to the Mun players, no health risk to the to the Hibs players that are actually playing in the game. The game has to go ahead, unless of course they couldn't get a goalkeeper. If that was that would, would have been a problem, and it is more difficult now. And fair play to Hearts and Bobby's Lamal for stepping in at the last minute because you can't just go to a Championship team or whatever because they're not testing. You know the teams are not testing. So, so listen, it's there as long as there's not health risk to the players going on in the park. Then I have to. We think we have to just go ahead with it as we would if five players were out with the flu. Let's get the full team news then from St Mirren against Hibs. We've already stolen your headline, Stephen Mill. We all know that Bobby Salmal plays in goals. Who else is playing? Yeah, he does start in goals. Obviously, only joined about oh, two hours ago or something like that. And 40 year old goalkeeping coach Jamie Langfield is on the bench for Bizarre today, for St Mirren today, as if 2020 couldn't get any more bizarre. It was a 1 0 defeat for Jim Goodwin's men last time 
out against St Johnson at Perth, but it's been a pretty decent start to the season. I think we've all made comment about how much we think that Jim Goodwin has done some decent business over the summer. Richard Tate and Marcus Fraser amongst them. Fraser's former Ross County teammate Lee Irwin is the latest to join as well, signing a two-year deal on Thursday. Irwin only makes the bench though today. There are three changes in total. Obviously out goes Anik. McAllister is out and the same for Junior Marai. And in comes Lamal, Dennis and Erohon. So the buddies line up like this. It is Lamal in goals, then Tate, McCarthy and Fraser. Sharon, Dennis, McGrath, Dermis, Foley and then Erohon and Obika. For the visitors today, Hibs is also defeat for them last time out. They went down 1-0 to Aberdeen at Easter Road. That was their first loss of the season though after an impressive start as well. They have yet to concede from open play this term with Ryan Porteous and Paul Hanlon standouts at the back along with the emergence of 18-year-old Josh Doig at left back dislodging the long-serving Lewis Stevenson from the team. Alex Gogic is back today after another COVID-related absence and the goal machine that is Kevin Thompson is also back in the starting lineup as well. Looks like a 4-4-2 for Hibs. So it's Rocky Marciano in goals. Then we've got McGinn, Porteous, Hanlon and Doig. Boyle, Gogic, Newell, Murphy, Doidge and Nisbet up front. Today's referee at the Simple Digital Arena is Willie Collum. Uh, there we go. Team news from St Mirren. Hugh Keevans, I no disrespect to St Mirren or Hibs. Yesterday morning when I was thinking about the weekend ahead, I didn't think that would be the place to be for exciting team news, but there we are. People are going to have to get used to this. The, the goalkeepers, as Andy Halley pointed out, they, they all work together. It will happen at some other club some other time. But people are going to have to get used to COVID-19 intervening in the season. And we have to get the season completed. We've got many big issues going on. Fans inside grounds. Will there be any fans at the Celtic Rangers game next month? I don't think so. Will there be any fans at Scotland against Israel? I don't think so. That's an issue. Is this season going to go the full distance? Or like last season, will it come to a premature end? And what will we do then? The SPFL have two attempts to try and draw up what they call the milestone mandate. In other words, if we get halfway through the season and it has to end, can we call it then? Or do we void the season? If it goes three quarters of the way, do we call it then? Or do we void the season? Twice they've tried, twice they've failed to get a a consensus among the clubs. We're just sleepwalking through the season. Andy Halliday, what would be the main challenges facing a goalkeeper or indeed the rest of the team if he comes in at 12 o'clock and has to play at three? What what, what sort of information would be trying to put across to him? What does he need to know? Well, there'll be a lot of information trying to get crammed in in such a, a little period of time. But listen, it's difficult. First and foremost, he needs to know how the team play. He needs to know he's back four in front of him. So any sort of stuff that they're going to be working on in days previous, whether it's set pieces or, or organisation off the ball, he's going to have to learn it very, very quickly. And listen, you know, Fraser said it's it's an extreme circumstance. Uh, there's going to be it's it's not the first. It's not going to be the last. He mentioned if if I. If a team loses the majority of their squad, and if they do, I'm phoning the Czech national team because they put a squad out of absolutely nowhere. So, uh, yeah, it's it, it, listen, it's not it's not the first and it's not the last, the, but it's certainly not ideal. The challenge is you look at Celtic who brought in Barkas for five million quid, yet Neil Lennon didn't think a week or whenever it was ten days later it was enough time to put him in to the starting lineup, and he started with Scott Bain. That shows you the challenges that lie with goalkeepers. And what managers think a goalkeeper So incredibly challenging for Jim Goodwin He throw this guy in And Bobby's Lamal What if he drops one A howler In the back of his net And they lose the game 1-0 It's an odd situation well, what if the third choice goalkeeper Had been allowed to play And he dropped one in Oh it's different There's it's no different. one near the same yeah. scrutiny though is there 
Well, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that it, may, it means that it shouldn't go ahead or anything like Bobby's that. But this is unique, Hugh. There is a spotlight yeah. like never before on yeah. Bobby's Lamal today. Yeah. But this guy has had Premiership experience. He's played in this league. The third choice goalkeeper has never had that. So, as I say, Bobby's Lamal is not everyone's cup of tea. A lot of people have no respect for him as a goalkeeper. However, he's a proper goalkeeper. He's not an outfield player playing in goal. And therefore, for me, He's a better spec than the third choice, totally untried St Mirren goalkeeper. It really is all happening in the Premiership this afternoon. Six games, emergency goalkeepers. We've even got some fans back in certain grounds as well. We'll go back around them next. The fastest goals. The expert opinions. This is Clyde One Super Scoreboard. Hugh Keevans, Andy Halliday and Mark Wilson are in the studio We've got the top team all around the grounds And we're building up to kick-off Just 15 minutes away for the kick-off In six big Premiership matches this afternoon Let's go back to Dingwall uh, Gordon DL is settling in after a five-hour trip up there Gordon, have you counted? Have we got the full complement of the 300 fans in yet? Funny enough, Alison and I were just doing that as you came to us uh, yeah, exactly. I think we've got. Uh, yeah, I think we have, but we've got a sort of a hospitality few behind us. I think there's twenty in there, Gordon, as well. So it's just great to. I know it's only three hundred. I totally understand that, but it's just great to see looking across some fans, and I'm sure the players will appreciate it. Uh, I know it's small, but I think just playing in front of people will, you know, energise them as well. So it's nice to have. Yeah, the absence of Ryan Christie from that starting eleven, I've noticed that's caused a bit of a debate on our social media feed at Clyde SSB Gordon, where some people saying they think that's they think that's fair. They don't think he's started the season particularly well. They think Cham's a better fit, and of course others um, sticking up if you like for Ryan Christie. What do you make of his omission on the back of the two goals for Scotland? I think uh, maybe Neil Lennon's thinking round about the fact that he played two games for Scotland as well. He's come up here to. Uh, I think Fraser said it last night when I was listening a bit of the show about how Ross County are big and physical and I think he's went within Cham in there by his strength. I'm not, you know, it's not one that would worry me. You look at El Yunusi, I thought for Norby he was in great form and you look at Forrest playing down the left-hand side as a wing-back. Now, my thoughts coming up, Alice and I were discussing the team, would it be, t- obviously we went with a three, would it be Taylor in the left wing back, or me personally, I thought, well, El Yunusi might go there, so he's left him on the bench as well, so I just think that the amount of players and the quality that Celtic have got, to leave Ryan Christ out today shouldn't, shouldn't make a difference. Uh, let's go to Ibrooks um, and speak to Andrew McLean who's looking ahead to Rangers against Dundee United Andrew, it, in some people's eyes it, it's about the strikers that are not on the pitch Alfredo Morelos on the bench for Rangers and Lauren Shankland for Dundee United Yeah, it was interesting hearing Stephen Gerrard talk yesterday about Alfredo Morelos and you never really know week to week what's going to be happening with Alfredo Morelos but the one thing you do know is that he's going to be a big talking point with Stephen Gerrard saying yesterday that you know he took it upon himself after the Hamilton game and over the international break to you know come into the training ground off his own back to work with one of the fitness coaches he said Morelos was looking sharper he said he was looking fitter he said he was looking better for it all signs maybe pointed at that stage that you know he was maybe going to come back into the starting lineup but no once again for the third game running Alfredo Morelos is on the bench for Rangers and Kamar Ruth who's got one goal in his opening four games so far for Rangers starts for them and Lauren Shankland I'm sure um, Mickey Mellon will be absolutely delighted to see him back in the squad because he's only featured 
one time so far for Dundee United this season and you know it's, it, it's been interesting for him because Nicky Clark he, he's been up there he's, he's a very hard worker Nicky Clark but there's maybe just not been enough firepower for Dundee United up there so far and you saw that against Celtic where you know they played very well and they, they did try to attack Celtic at times but they maybe just didn't have that firepower and if they can get Lauren Shanklin you know if they can, they can stay in this game uh, for quite a while and get to the point where Lauren Shanklin can come on then you know you would back him to you know if, if he gets a good chance against uh, you know a team like Rangers that we know what how prolific he is uh, can he translate that into the Premiership have we seen him doing the, the Championship Andy Halliday Alfredo Morelos is he the type that, that, that needs to be playing from the start you get certain strikers who actually at times thrive on, on coming off the bench and making an impact he's always struck me as, as somebody who's is, is better being in there from the start is that fair? I mean it's difficult to answer because he always starts so that's probably it's something that we're going to need to see but listen over the last couple of games he's not even came off the bench I'd be very surprised if that continued today so I'm expecting to see Alfredo come on whether it's with 30 minutes to go 20 minutes to go and we'll see if he can make an impact when he does because Stephen Gerrard is usually pretty honest about what's going on with Alfredo Morelos if he's let him down he tells everybody everybody yeah. knows you know he goes through those highs and lows so for him to come out and, and praise him yesterday and say he's worked harder and he's looked fitter and um, he's improved over the international break you assume that he means it and he's very much back in the good book so to speak if, if that's not too extreme a way of putting it yeah the ma- I mean the manager's very very black and white I think everybody can see that so the fact that he has came out last week and, and shown words of support for Alfredo I think uh, he's, he's definitely seen a change in his attitude there so listen as far as I'm aware as I said I, you know I fully fit and I fully committed Alfredo's the best striker at Rangers so for Rangers' sake, you know, you just want him to get back to to, to his best and where he, where he was last year. Uh, what about for Park then? Motherwell against St Johnston Fraser. Everyone keeps saying, "Well, Motherwell well, need to win this one, and, and then they need to win this one. They need to." They've got difficult fixtures coming up: Aberdeen and Rangers. The next two, there's that crucial Europa League game against Coleraine as well. Um, on paper, a home game against St Johnston is one that you would earmark for three points if you were Stevie Robinson. But I'm sure he said that. For the home game against Dundee United And the home game against Hamilton Ackies And the home game against Livingston So as these games tick by It, it really is becoming crucial that Mother will try and get three points Yeah I think your, your comment there about it ticking by is, is, is a key comment here You know Mother was so much expected of them At the start of the season Of course they lost David Turnbull But uh, got three million in, in return Which is fantastic for them But he's such a key player for them But he didn't play most of last season And they, and they finished third And I think everybody's expecting them to Certainly be top six And maybe be challenging for third and fourth Place, which just hasn't happened this season. Christopher Long's come back to the club, and Tony Watt and Jordan White doesn't seem to quite know his best strike force. He's changing information again as well. And, and as you say, it's too early to panic. But all of a sudden, lost today, two hard games away. You could be sitting eight, nine games gone, and you're in three points. And all of a sudden, you're thinking, you're, you're not adrift as a club, but you're, you know you're going to be down in the bottom end for, for most of that season. So it's a total change of mentality from, from, from last season. And it'll be interesting to see how they cope this, this uh, with the St. Johnson formation. They play with three forwards. They play O'Halloran and Conway and they play right up beside uh, Callum Hendry and they're only playing a back three uh, 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 today uh, Motherwell and sometimes that causes a problem and maybe forces your wing backs back again that was a back five as well so really interesting to see how they cope especially down to St Johnson's right hand side Nathan McGinley's back in the uh, lad signed in pre-season from, from down England so not believe they played much because of injury but uh, they're very strong down the right hand side O'Halloran and McNamara have been outstanding this season so far so really a big test I think for Motherwell and I have to be honest with you I don't think they're going to win this game I, I fancy St Johnson to nick this one they're strong at the back and they're beginning to show things in the attacking third I, I think St Johnson are going to win this one 2-1 now Let's go back to Ibrooks because um, Andrew McLean 
I believe that Philip Hollander has injured himself in no sorry Leon Balogun has injured himself in the warm up and Philip Hollander is going to come in I'm not sure if that's visible on yes, the pitch at the moment uh, uh, no it's not visible at the moment um, the teams are away back into the, the change rooms to get ready to come back out um, but yeah Leon Balogun had been selected to come back in for this game Philip Hellander um, had impressed since coming back into the team and I know Andy Halliday earlier on had uh, you know, questioned the, the inclusion of maybe Balogun over Hellander I think Stephen Gerrard yesterday had said that Philip Hellander had actually only trained uh, yesterday out of the whole week because he'd been away with Sweden he'd played against Portugal um, on Tuesday night I'm sure he had a, an interesting time up against Cristiano Ronaldo on that night so I think maybe Steven Gerrard thought about rotation for this game bringing in Leon Balogun but yeah it looks an, an injury in the warm-up and it'll be Hellander in for Balogun and uh, Stephen Miller I assume the warm-ups are finished that's St Mirren Zlamal and Langfield the two keepers warming up anything of anything of note to tell us they were out for quite a long time actually I mean obviously goalkeepers come out first in terms of warm-ups but they were out you know just as long as everyone else and uh, yeah they've not long just trotted back down the tunnel there I'll run through the teams again uh, just in case you missed them earlier on so as Lamal does start in goals for St Mirren it's Tate McCarthy Sharon, Obika Dermis Foley McGrath Dennis Fraser and Erahon then on the bench for St Mirren it's McAllister McPherson Murray, Connolly Erwin the new signing uh, Jameson and also Jamie Langfield as well as you mentioned for Hibs I think this is a big test for St Mirren at the back today we've all been speaking about how impressed we've been by Richard Tate and also Marcus Fraser at the back but the front four for Hibs looks pretty tasty and they'll be licking their lips at the thought of Bobby Zlomal having been a little bit rusty and not played for quite a long time because the front four is Nisbet, Doidge, Jamie Murphy and Martin Boyle that's going to be a big attacking threat for Hibs today and they've switched a 4-4-2 as well so it's going to be a decent game today and a big test for Jim Goodwin's men I think Let's go back to Dingwall then and get a final recap of the teams and build up to Ross County against Celtic with Gordon and Alison just waiting on the teams coming out here at Gordon in Dingwall. The fans have taken their seats for this one, around 300 in the stadium for this test event. So for Ross County, Ross Laidlaw in goal, a back four of Connor Randall, Cole Donaldson, Alex Iacobetti and Josh Reed in front of them, Ian Vigers, then the four of Michael Gardine, Jordan Tilson, Harry Payton and Ross Stewart. Up top for Ross County is Billy Mackay. For Celtic, Vasilius Barkas in goal, a back three of Chris Julian, a debut for Shane Duffy and Chris Iyer in the midfield Jeremy Frimpong Callum McGregor Olivier Cham Scott Brown and James Forrest up top for Celtic is Albion Ayeti and Odson Edward Gordon DL Neil Lennon saying this week that he's hoping that his players really kick on after this international break he's saying they've not hit the heights just yet what are you expecting this afternoon yeah certainly in the season Alison it does take time um, they go over the line at Tanadice. Uh he's obviously been in the transfer market they've been crying out for another centre back which gives them the option to play this formation today and I think this is Celtic's best formation with the players that they've got I know under Brendan Rodgers and under Neil Lennon it was a 4-2-3-1 uh, most times but just with Neil Lennon I think he likes the three at the back I think he likes the width coming from the wing backs and obviously he likes the two up top it gives him a better threat and what happens with Edward playing with a partner last um, season obviously Griffiths he's not here today but it allows Edward to come into the, the spaces into the pockets and pick up the ball and defenders wonder then do I go all the way with him and leave the space in behind 
or do I let him get there and turn? And when Edward turns at you, mm-hmm. all of a sudden you're in trouble. The two the, the two wing backs are very important to them. They're very fit. They'll get him down there. He's looking for a bit of quality, especially with two strikers. And the middle part talks for itself. And Cham coming in today, obviously the Celtic fans will be thinking, why is Ryan Christie not in the team? For me, coming to Ross County, I think he can move the squad about with the quality he's got. Have a look at Celtic's bench today. You know, every one of them would get a game in the Ross County first team. And the teams are out on the pitch here. Ross County come out the main stand. Celtic coming out the away stand here. Not long until kick-off for this one. It is Ross County against Celtic. Scottish football's league leader. This is Clyde One Super Scoreboard. It's full time in Dingwall. Celtic against up there against Ross County. Let's get the story with Gordon and Alison. Full time at the Global Energy Stadium it is Ross County nil, Celtic five. Shane Duffy scores on his debut, and it's five different scorers for Celtic as they look comfortable here in Dingwall. They got underway after just three minutes. A penalty to Celtic after Odson Edward was brought down by Cole Donaldson. Upstep the striker made no mistakes and put it low into the back of the net. Barkas then denied Ian Vigers with his free kick at the other end before Albina Yeti made it two nil. Callum McGregor's free kick fell to him just yards out and he put it into the back of the net. Ross County then had a chance, Stewart headed across goal but Jordan Tilson couldn't quite connect. Then just after the break, Michael Stewart, eight yards out, should have scored but it was an easy save in the end for Vasilius Barkas. New boy Shane Duffy made it 3-0 soon after, rising highest to head in Callum McGregor's corner. Then it was Christopher Ayer's turn. Olivier Cham set the defender up to tap it into the back of the net. Patrick Clamalla came off the bench and should have scored soon after but Ross County defence managed to clear but he did make it 5-0 in the 75th minute. He picked up from Mohamed Ilianusi one-on-one with Laidlaw and he made no mistake that time. Ross County did have a penalty claim in the second half after the ball appeared to hit Shane Duffy as he blocked a shot and then Ollie Shaw saw his free kick crash off the post. So it was comfortable for Celtic. Ross County nil, Celtic 5. Gordon Diel 5-0, five different scorers. Shane Duffy scores in his debut. Yeah, it's a good day in the Highlands for Celtic, Alison, you've got to say, after international break. I said at half-time that Neil Lennon didn't look too happy with the performance, although they were leading 2-0. Uh, I think he asked for a little bit more to sharpen things up. That happened, they created a few chances, second half. Yeah, getting a clean sheet is a positive, and I think they were quite lucky to get that. I think that Ross County had a good claim for a penalty. Uh, one or two chances with Ross County, I think we should have done better, especially just after the half-time whistle when Ross Stewart really should put the ball in the back of it. But after that, and it went 3-0, it was just a case of how many Celtic were going to score. And uh, it would be delighted the fact that he had three forwards on the pitch. They all scored. His two centre-backs scored as well. Duffy for his header for the corner kick. Just shows you what he's all about. He went and attacked that. There was only going to be one winner. And he puts it into the back of the net. Klamala, terrific for the boy to score because he really would have taken a bit of stick and down the team bus tonight for missing that opportunity. So, overall, I think that getting the five subs on the pitch as well, it's been a very, very positive day. A goal for Shane Duffy on his debut. David Turnbull also came off the bench to make his debut. Comfortable afternoon for Celtic in the Highlands. Ross County nil, Celtic five. Full-time at Ibrox, Rangers against Dundee United, Andrew McLean. 
Rangers 4, Dundee United now the full-time score from Ibrox. A comfortable afternoon in terms of performance, but it has come at a cost with four injuries for Steven Gerrard to contend with. The first one, Leon Balogun pulled out in the warm-up. He had to be replaced late on by Philip Hellander. Then 10 minutes in, Ryan Jack went down and was forced off with what looked like a calf issue. They powered through, though, despite that. And 13 minutes in, they took the lead. And what a brilliant goal it was. A nice one-two between Kent and Hadji. That got Ryan Kent into the box. He twisted one way, then the other. Great skill to turn his defender inside out. And he fired that one low underneath Seacrest and into the back of the net. Then Brandon Barker limped off, clutching his hamstring to cause further disruption to Rangers. But they continued to push forward and managed to double their lead before the break. It was a full-back-to-full-back combo as well. Borna Barisic, a low cross to the back post. It picked out James Tavernier and ran his 250th appearance for the club. He slid in and made it 2-0 to Rangers. The injuries continued after the break as well. Ryan Edwards went into a challenge. He cleared the ball, but his follow-through caught Alfredo Morelos high. He ended up with a gash in his leg, and he had to be stretchered off as a result. And then Rangers had their best spell of the game after that. Relentless waves of attack coming thick and fast, but shots from Hadji and Bassey were saved. Kent flashed a couple wide before they finally got their third. Scott Arfield driving into the left-hand side of the box. He fired what looked like a low shot, but Kamar Ruth managed to slide in and get the contact for his second goal in a Rangers jersey to make it 3-0. A seventh consecutive clean sheet for Rangers was put in danger four minutes from time when Ian Harks cracked one off the bar from the edge of the box. Then Rangers went up the other end and made it four. Yanis Hadji's ball from a wide area. It found Scott Arfield. He was arriving in the box. Swept a really nice finish home into the top corner. Then just time after that for Lawrence Shanklin to skew a good chance wide for Dundee United. Another win, another clean sheet and Rangers still top of the table but it's the injury table that they'll be looking to now. The full-time score at Ibrox. Rangers 4, Dundee United nil. What about Paisley then? St Mirren with all their goalkeeping worries up against Hibs. How did it go, Stephen Mill? Yeah, it was Bobby Watch for me this afternoon and it's St Mirren nil, Hibs 3 at full-time. In all honesty, it was a bit of a cruise for Hibs. They started very, very quickly. A chance from Christian Deutsch after 10 minutes. It went close. Bobby Zamal was caught in no man's land and it was a sign of things to come because just a couple of minutes later, it was 1-0 to Hibs. Kevin Nisbet, that goal-scoring machine, he managed to scramble it in to give the high bees the lead. Then just a couple of minutes later, Joe Newell made it 2-0 and it was again a good play down the right hand side it was Martin Boyle this time he cut it back and Joe Neal swept it in Martin Boyle was a thorn in the side he was the Clyde 1 Super Scoreboard man of the match today in terms of St Mirren they had a couple of chances towards the end of the first half Dermis went close with a free kick but it was a good save from uh, uh, it was a good save from the Hibs goalkeeper Ophir Marciano and it was Dennis who then followed up from the free kick went very close for St Mirren but it was 2-0 at half time into the the second half. Lee Irwin came on for his St Mirren debut at half time. He actually had a decent chance. He brought the ball down well at the edge of the box after it was played long through to him. Uh, but his shot was just over the crossbar. And then on 57 minutes, Martin Boyle grabbed the killer goal, the third one. It was a bit unlucky for Bobby Slamal. It was a ball in from the right-hand side. It was Newell again. And the ball sort of got caught up in the air with the wind. Slamal was underneath it. wasn't quite sure what was happening. And and Martin Boyle nipped in and poked it home to make it 3-0 and that was kind of it. Cammy McPherson came on, had a decent drilled effort from the edge of the box for St Mirren but nothing much happened there. Hibs remain second in the league. They host Rangers at Easter Road next Sunday and St Mirren drop to seventh. They play the champion Celtic on Wednesday. Full time in Paisley St Mirren nil, Hibs 3. It's finally finished. It's nearly midnight and it's finished at Fir Park. Fraser Wishart. 
Never mind the eight minute stoppage time, it became nine and a half, almost ten minutes stoppage time, and far from a classic game throughout, but Stephen Robinson won't care. It was Motherwell one, St Johnston nil, and he'll be a happy man tonight as his team got their first victory of the season. Very really pretty much a hard fought performance. Apart from the Alan Campbell winning goal early on, they didn't really have another effort to go on, nor did St Johnston in the full ninety minutes plus the long stoppage time. The home side went ahead on four minutes, and it was a terrific goal. Alan Campbell won the ball in midfield, he strode forward and St Johnston back four backed off he just hit the ball low from 20 yards fired it past Parrish into the back of the net you're full of hope at that point for a good game it's such a good finish but that was the only shot at goal that Muller had in the first 45 minutes Johnson themselves had a couple of half chances O'Halloran and Witherspoon but it was really a poor first half second half slightly better St Johnson started well Callum Hendry the shot deflected inches wide from a, and then from the Conway corner Jason Kerr headed just over the bar inches over at the back post Kane and May were sent on for a Hallen and Hendry Callum Davidson looking for a cutting edge to all the possession before Polworth wide left free kick into the box it was a cross but it almost curled into the top corner but Parrish managed to get a touch to push it over St Johnson the loot the more likely side to score Stevie May did well in the box and inside right position made himself a yard but pulled his shot across the face of goal and just wide Liam Craig on for Liam Gordon John White on for Watt both playing 4-4-2 formations and Witherspoon then had a chance at the back post a McNamara cross Witherspoon rather than attacking it no real conviction headed the ball over the bar when he should have done much better John White did have a couple of efforts a hook shot and a flicked header but neither causing any problems to Parish, and then deep into stoppage time Craig Conway cut in from the right hand side his left foot shot was tame and straight at Trevor Carson in the final seconds still just bottom of the league Motherwell but they keep themselves in touch with the teams above them within uh, an important victory without it being an absolute classic game full time at Fir Park Motherwell won St Johnston nil. What about Livingston Hamilton Roger Hanna? Livingston 1, Hamilton Ackies 2, Ackies up to ninth in the table just a single point away from the top 6 after recovering from a dreadful start to take the points in the second half of the Tony Macaroni they fell behind after just 29 seconds Lazla Koch making progress on the left for Livingston a low ball into the 6 yard box Scott Pittman looks set to knock it home but it actually came off the shin of Aki's skipper Sean Wanton flew past his goalkeeper Ryan Fulton Aki's tried hard to get back into the game David Templeton's low free kick just going past Robbie McCrory's post after 8 minutes and then a minute later another chance Effie Ambrose too strong with a back pass to McCrory he took it down in the chest it was then involved in a fierce 50-50 with David Moyle and to McCrody's immense relief the ball just spun away to safety at the other end a couple of saves from Fulton first a shot from Alan Forrest and then a header from Marvin Bartley that he managed to clutch on the line but David Templeton was becoming an increasing influence in the game he returned in a snapshot after 34 minutes held by McCrody and three minutes later tried to score from his own half an incredible 55 yard effort after he spotted McCrody off his line but it just drifted past the post then into the second half Aki's pushing hard and he got the equal of the breakthrough they'd been looking for after 58 minutes Regan Mimno's corner from the right it was met at the near post a flying header from former Livingston defender Hakim Odafan it came back flush off the crossbar and fell beautifully for Templeton to smash past McCrody who had no chance McCrody did have a save from Templeton again just a couple of minutes later as Aki's pushed and pushed then again man of the match Templeton a 20 yard curling shot after working the ball onto his left foot it flew just inches wide beyond the far post Livingston they were out of the game at this stage but they almost went back ahead after 78 minutes substitute Scott Tiffany played 
dribbling the ball into the box it reached Scott Robinson he managed to flick it onto Pippen at the back post a fierce shot it crashed down off the underside of the bar it hit the line but it flew back out agonisingly for the home team and seven minutes later they really did pay a heavy price Templeton inevitably involved this time with a free kick to the back post and there was 18 year old Kyle Munro on loan at Clyde Bank in the juniors last season he made his debut as a sub against Rangers a fortnight ago his first ever Hamilton Aki start for the teenager and he found himself in acres of space to guide a lovely header beyond across McCrory and just inside the far post a second away win of the season for the Aki's they're climbing up this league Livingston 1 Hamilton Aki's 2 What about Dave Galloway then Petrodri for Aberdeen against Kilmarnock Aberdeen 1 Kilmarnock 0 the final score the only goal of the game came on 16 minutes a very fine run down the left by Wright who set up McCrory to slam the ball home with a really good first time shot in a competitive clash Kilmarnock hit back strongly with Kilty's powerful low drive turned round the post by Lewis and Kilty's cross was scrambled away for a corner with Waters ready to pounce Holbin headed clear from the resultant kick just after the hour mark Hayes nearly doubled the Dons lead his drive from the edge of the D touched over by Rogers. Wright passed up a golden chance to score number two for Aberdeen Watkins put him clean through on the keeper with a fine through ball but he missed the target, he put the ball wide and they almost equalised uh, Kilmarnock, they were causing uh, plenty problems at the other end, they almost equalised when Pinnock fed McKenzie whose shot was deflected over by McKenna, Di Camona should have done much better when Kilty's cross from the right hand side picked him out just a few yards from goal but he could find the target. However, Hayes nearly punished uh, Killy um, just with about three minutes to go when his drive from the right-hand side of the box was deflected just wide. Plenty action at both ends then, but the Dons' winning run continues. Aberdeen 1, Kilmarnock 0. And my Clyde 1 Super Scoreboard Man of the Match, Ross McCrory. And now it's over to you to have your say. 0141 951 1025. What did you make of your team's performance today? It is as simple as that. Everybody they played so you must have some thoughts on what your team did or did not do this afternoon Hugh Evans, Andy Halliday and Mark Wilson in the studio Gordon DL you still with us in Dingwall? Uh, yeah Lovely great to hear it and you sound enthusiastic as well 01419511025 What's on your mind tonight? The open line is next It's Clyde One Super Scoreboards Open Line 01419511025 Full time in the Scottish Premiership Ross County nil, Celtic 5 Rangers 4 Dundee United nil, Aberdeen 1 Kilmarnock nil, Livingston 1 Hamilton 2 St Mirren nil, Hibs 3 And Motherwell 1 St Johnston nil. Hugh Evans Andy Halliday And Mark Wilson in the studio Gordon DL up in Dingwall Are waiting to take your calls What did you make of your team's performance today? It's that simple 01419511025 Let's not hang about Let's go straight into Andy Another Andy who's a Rangers fan On the line what did you make of it today, Andy? What jumped out for you? How you doing, guys? All brilliant. Aye, no, I'm really, really well happy today. Uh, I thought some of my one-touch football was absolutely brilliant. And uh, I was a wee bit worried after the break. You know, sometimes we wouldn't be starting. No, I was just unbelievable. Honestly, we should, FC, I think it was the best. I'd be six minutes. We, we should have scored another two or three goals there. I mean, they were just... And Ryan Kent, he's just looking real hungry now. Um, so I'm, so I'm really delighted today. Only, only bad thing is these injuries, you know, I could not believe it. One before we started, and then three mm-hmm. to uh, big players, you know what I mean? Especially Van Morelos, it looked quite a bad one. That The boy fucking kind of follow through. I don't know how he meant it, but it just looked a bad one. 
Yeah, well, let's start on that actually. Then we'll, we'll do the football because there's a lot to take in. You guys in the studio have seen it back. Morelos um, is on the receiving end of a sore one. Does Ryan Edwards get away with one? For me, he's a clumsy player making a clumsy but not malicious challenge. Right. Smart Wilson. I do think he knows what he's doing there. Uh, I think it's a, a heart back to the old centre halves where you go in firm and you make sure you go through the ball. So I think he he knows. I think he could have withdrawn. I think he could have cleared that ball without going through him. That's the point I make. So yeah, I think he's fortunate to not get a red card there. Andy Haldy. Yeah, it's a red card for me, and I've said that I try and compare it to the one that happened at Samarna a couple of weeks ago, and the difference was. Shaughnessy's actually lunging at full pace to try and clear the ball so he's naturally going to end up in an upwards movement that one completely different for me he's, he's a couple of yards for the ball he can clear it without going as high as he did and he followed through on the knee and, and listen it looks like a bad one but to be mm-hmm. honest I'm a bit more worried about the other two I think if somebody's at full sprint and they pull up with a muscle injury then it never looks good Yeah Ryan Jack and Brandon Barker uh, going off what about the actual football then Andy on the line full of praise for Ryan Kent uh, Andy Haldy was he the standout for Rangers today? He's been the standout throughout the start of the season for Rangers for me but uh, yeah echo what Andy said in my opinion it's Rangers most convincing performance of the season finished four could have been six or seven uh, a couple of lapses it was uh, in defence they were obviously trying to keep this clean sheet record they've done donated to a long range, long range strike that hit the bar and then obviously the Shanklin chance that we've seen towards the end but other than that outstanding performance for Rangers today What's behind it then is he being asked to do something different by the by the coaching staff at Rangers is there something in particular that they've asked him to add to his game this season that you think we're now seeing Yeah touched on it earlier when when you see someone that has talent, has ability day in, day out, and he, he finishes the season with, I think it was six or seven goals, I can't remember exactly how much, it's not enough for somebody with his talent and his ability. And I think that Stephen Gerrard and his coaching staff have done a great job and, and try to coach him, first and foremost, to pick up better positions, stop being so unselfish, to you know, try and receive the ball to feet all the time and create for others, sometimes making the unselfish runs run in behind. And, and you've seen that, especially the first goal with the one-two with Yanis Hadji and and uh, listen, he's been a standout performer for me, and he continued that. He continued that today. Are they constantly on at him because they know that he's got the talent? Is that a is that a regular kind of dialogue that you hear amongst Gerard or, or and the coaching staff with him? Yeah, exactly. Because we know how good he is. And one thing I will say, the performances have been there. But when you're wanting your best players to be match winners, they've got to score goals. And uh, he he started the season in fine form. I think that's his fourth now in seven games. So good on him. Yeah, oh, listen, I have to echo From the, the start of the season You've seen him at Pataudry And Andy touched on it Encouraging him to run in behind He gets his goal from that And he's playing a lot more central role Even the Was it the, the Arfield goal Where he picks the ball up In a central position I know the sub's been made But he gets on the half turn And springs an attack He's been the, the go-to guy for Rangers Once involved in everything And for 7 million quid That's what you expect That's what you want your 7 million star signing To be like He's certainly taken it, to, it to a new level at the start of the season. And that's why Rangers, you know, are, are knocking back bids at ten million and and things like that. He's a star player for Rangers just now, and he's, you know, he's he's certainly the standout at this moment in time for them. All that speculation about the future, Andy, having been in the dressing room with him, what what type of character is he? How do you think that that would or or wouldn't impact him? Yeah, he's a strong, uh, strong-minded boy, and one thing I will say is, even though there's speculation there, he certainly looks as if he's enjoying his football. And if he's enjoying his football at Rangers, then I don't see any reason why he would want to leave. Uh, to Andy on the line, what about at the other end, Andy? Um, I know that it's the the goal scoring that catches everybody's eye, but yet again, another clean sheet for Rangers. 
Aye, uh, well, he said, uh, there was a couple of kind of lapses where the wee bit slack, you know, uh, one, the keeper came out and kind of flapped a wee bit, we got away with one there and they hit the bar. Aye, uh, no, just obviously something, you do take your eye off the boy, you do get a wee bit of action of two or three up, but I was, I tell you, I was really happy with Dave, Steve, Steve Davis, I thought he can't have the game with the, he looked, I don't know who got man in the match, I've not seen it. It was him. Uh, but he, was it? It was Steve Davis, yep. Oh, ah, uh, well, he he just looked, uh, he just looked good. I, I'm just as I said, I just I was, I was a wee bit worried after the break to see how we come back, but yep, I am over the moon. Well, may it last. <laughs> yeah, I think you mentioned Andy Haldy something earlier about Stephen Davis. What is it you feel he brings to the Rangers midfield that maybe the the rest of them don't, or something that he he can can add in there? Well, I take it back to the Livingston game at Almondville where, sorry, I've said that again, Tony oh, Macaroni fine. Stadium where Rangers dropped their first points of the season. I feel as if Livingston were in a in a low block, they were in an organised shape and it was just too easy for them. Rangers weren't shifting them out of the shape, they were just going wide and putting in crosses, not enough bodies in the box. And since Stephen Davis has come into the side, he's there's, there's clearly been a, a more direct approach in play. And what happens is when, when Stephen Davis plays their passes in behind, you know, 20, 30 minutes, 40 minutes down the line, if, if they see Stephen Davis with the ball Dundee United defenders are automatically going to drop and that's what they don't want to do and start giving people like Ryan Kent and, and mm. Brandon Barker time and space on the ball and, and I touched on it throughout the game I think with that direct approach coming early it just allows so much space for Rangers in the second half to exploit To Andy on the line thank you very much Jerry's a Celtic fan from Kilwinning what did you make of it today Jerry? Happy with the win? Yeah, very happy, Gordon. Five uh, 0 You know, offensively going forward, we're terrific. Um, I kind of felt myself agree with Mark. I'm afraid to say about the defensive side, though, because I thought there was issues with the communication between Julian and Barkas. Um, also, feel a wee bit sorry for Clamalla because I think he's getting a bit of an unfair press because he only gets 15, 20 minutes at a time, and he scored today. Um, but when he missed the chance earlier, I thought he's going to get criticism for that. But um, I don't think it's fair to criticise him because he's not getting a real run in the team. Um, my main point, though, Gordon, I'd like to make, it's, it's about all the kind of transfer speculation um, that he's talking about Celtic and Rangers players. Now, to show my unbiased right, I can say right now that clearly the Rangers defence has been better than the Celtic defence this year. But no one's going to bid £20 million pounds for Conor Goldson. But they will build, bid £20 million pounds for Christopher Ayer. Ayer will eventually leave Celtic for big money. And the reason is that Celtic are the only club in Scotland who will sell players for massive amounts of money because they're the only club who have the background of producing young players and developing them, such as Tierney, Van Dijk, uh, Dembele, to then go on and compete at the highest level um, in European football. Rangers don't have these players. Until Rangers get continued success domestically by winning the league titles over a number of years, and then getting into the Champions League, their players are not going to be respected the same way the Celtic players are. And once again, you're talking about Morelos. Um, you know, for two years now, the media in this country has been desperately trying to flog this guy. At first, it was hilarious. Then it got cringeworthy. Now it's actually insane. I mean, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different results. Nobody wants this guy. For two and a half years, you've been talking, not you guys specifically, but the media in general have been talking about somebody's going to bid for him or £20 million bids or we'll never sell him for £50 million. Nobody wants him. If somebody wanted him, they would have bid for him now. They didn't want him when he was on form a year ago. They're certainly not going to want him now that he's out of form in Moody again. Um, but Celtic will have no problem selling their players. This I is mean, not about, by the way, just, just to be Just to be accurate, I mean, Lille did bid for him though, didn't they? 
I don't think they did, Gordon. I think there was talk about, uh, you know, there was talk, there was no nothing official about... Well, the, just, uh, well, the, the, pre- the president of Lille was on radio, live on radio, saying that they bid for him. Who said that, sorry? The president of Lille. The president of Lille? Yeah, not, oh, not, not uh, the town, the football club. Well, OK, fair enough, but that's one club... Right. Well, that's fair, but you just said no one, so I thought we would we would just be accurate. It's a peculiar call, isn't it? You know, um, first of all, it's all a matter of personal opinion, but I don't believe for one instant that Celtic would get twenty million pounds for Chris Ayer. I simply do not believe it. He's too unreliable uh, for that kind of money. And if Jerry's an honest man, he'll he'll, he'll tell you that there have been plenty of occasions where Christopher Ayer uh, has been unreliable at the back for Celtic. Um, but it's a peculiar call, you know, to to run down uh, all the players at Rangers. Um, you know, we're seven games into the season. If you're Rangers, they haven't lost a goal yet. They're playing very well. I think that the four games between Celtic and Rangers will determine the outcome of the league title. Um, but to go into the transfer history, I, I'm not sure what relevance it has. You know, Kieran Tierney, yeah, through the academy, earned Celtic £25 million. That's astonishing business. Um, Moussa Dembele, acquired from Fulham for £500,000, sold for £20 million. That's astonishing business as well. Uh, Van Dijk, again, magnificent business. Um, but what relevance does it have to what we're talking about now? Well, because you, you keep talking about Morelos being sold for big money. I'm trying to explain to you, he won't be sold for big money because Rangers don't have the same level of respect that Celtic have because we have produced the players who have gone on to a higher level. But le- level, of respect is neither, level of respect is neither here nor there. It's, does anybody want him? Lille, I agree with you, Lille are the only club who have shown factual interest in him. Uh, we don't know the extent of the injury and to what extent that might affect things with a transfer window that closes in a few weeks' time. However, he is the most saleable asset, although I would argue that Ryan Kent is about to overtake him in that department. Uh, but Morelos, for me, I think is expendable. Where Rangers are concerned, they would happily sell him. But I don't think they would do that with Ryan Kent now because I think they see someone who could materially influence the outcome of the title. Uh, Gordon DL Jerry kicked us off Talking about how happy he was With um, Celtic's performance Today What did you make of it overall What did you make of Jerry's assessment Yeah I, I said in the first half That Although it was a 2-0 uh, lead Gordon uh, I was just sitting Above uh, Neil Lennon I could watch him And I heard some of his shouts He wasn't too pleased uh, He went in at half time Obviously spoke to his players He got the response He got five subs on It's been a, a really positive day for them uh, The back three started a bit shaky I've got to say the communication between the back three and the goalkeeper wasn't great. Forrest on the left-hand side didn't know whether to stick or twist, whether to go right up the pitch or come back and make a five with Frimpong on the other side. But they soon settled down and the minute they got the goals and then you see the strength of the Celtic squad with the players that they can bring on the pitch. Five substitutions, every one would be a first-team player most other places. Uh, on the subject of the caller about Christopher Ayer for £20 million, pounds, I think that would be the sale of the century. Uh, I don't think, like you, I don't think there's any chance that Celtic would get that. If they did, it would be some business. Uh, I'm not saying he's a bad but I think he's a decent enough player, Ayer, but I don't think he's a, a £20 million pound player for me. Um, but 
I think they'll then will be happy with his, his forwards. Now, Klamala, as the, the caller said there, he's got to come in for a bit of criticism with the chances missed. Of course he is. If you're bringing somebody in for what, two, three million, whatever it may be, I know game time limited, totally understand that. But let's face it, come on, Hugh Keevans would have put that in. There's no doubt. Uh, he should have put that in the back of it. If you're if you're a striker, it doesn't matter if you've had 15 minutes of uh, in the last two games or you're, you've not played a lot of games. You're four or five yards out. It's on a plate to you. Just put it in the back of it. Roll it in. But to be fair to the boy, and this is where I'm delighted for him because I think he does work hard. He looks like a team team player to me. He got on the end of one from El Yanusi about five minutes later and he stuck it in the back of it. So everybody will forget about this. Hour. 01419511025 thanks to Jerry we're going to get your thoughts and the thoughts of some of today's managers next after they play you have your say 01419511025 Clyde 1 Super Scoreboards Open Line Hugh Evans Andy Halliday and Mark Wilson in the studio Gordon DL still with us in Dingwall as well they've not locked you out or anything yet Gordon Floodlight's still on we've got you for another 40 minutes or so well, I wouldn't say 40, I think we'd cut that down a little bit, but I'm enjoying myself, it's a lovely day out, nice travel, sitting here, cosy, so uh, yeah, looking forward and loving the show, boys, loving it. Is that a new blanket that you've got? I saw on Twitter, Alison put a picture yeah, that's of it. is it new? Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a one for a recliner, Gordon, and I thought, well, it'd be handy coming up to the Highlands, because you know the weather changes often up here, and... It's been it's been great. It's that, a lovely wee day, and I can't wait to ten o'clock tonight. When I've I seen a bit of action that blanket and that recliner. Is it now? That's plenty. I'm turning his mic off before <laughs> we get ourselves in trouble. I hope he washed it before he took it up there. Let's speak to Andrew, who's a Rangers fan on the line. What did you make of it today, Andrew? You must be pleased. I'm very pleased, um, panel, and good evening. Um, but first of all, I'd like to congratulate Rangers again for keeping on our clean sheet and breaking on our record. Um, but what, what seemed to disappoint me is, um, I know it was a good 4-0 win today, but I'm just disappointed that we're not taking more chances and, and, and finishing off teams a bit more. And um, I, I think it could have been easily 6 today. And um, I, I think it's going to be a tight, tight league this year. And I think the goal difference could come into contention towards the end of the season. This is where the life of a dominant Football fan can be quite difficult Andrew, see when you follow wee teams Like loads of other people um, listening in Are you seriously disappointed that it wasn't 6-0? I was seriously disappointed it wasn't 6-0 um, I, I, I just wish that, Maybe not so much even today But the last couple of weeks That we've we'll, we'll been getting the, the sort of 2-0 wins I would really like to see Rangers Closing teams off more yeah. and, and, and getting more goals in I mean, Andy Haldy, I, I get it. You should always should always strive for more. Why not? Stephen Gerrard's made no secret of it. Four nil's no bad, is it? Yeah. Listen, I do understand when it's weeks down the line and there is maybe a tighter game with a one nil up, two nil up, that they will they will want to be more ruthless than they were today. Because listen, when it was two nil, they passed up at least four or five great chances in the first fifteen minutes of the second half. But yeah, you can't be too disappointed with a four nil victory. And like you touched on before. Seven games without conceding a goal And to be honest For the majority They've not really looked like conceding So It's all been good just now But uh, hopefully you know, Carrying on mm-hmm. They can be a bit more ruthless Like you said How do we view this d- Defensive record Because that, that's, that's the record Hugh That's it you know, That's oh. the seven, seven games without conceding Which is obviously a great achievement So you, you give credit to Rangers for that On the other hand You could say they've not 
faced very much in an attacking sense But then maybe that's credit to Rangers as well Because you defend from the front And if, if you've got the ball the other team can't have it And, and you know if your structure is correct There's no doubt about it, it it's, it's obviously some sort of achievement If yeah. it's never been done before It's a gold star in your jota It means precisely hee-haw in terms of whether Celtic win 9 in a row or Rangers stop 10 in a row. Um, the record was created in 1906, so what? You've equaled it in 2020 and surpassed it, so what? It's who wins the league that is important. Uh, as I say, it's a gold star in your jota, it's a well done uh, and you move on. It shows progress though, Hugh, for Rangers, because it was problems. Rangers did have problems uh, in central defence and, and leak goals from time to time that we in this show questioned and, and said, you know, there's mistakes in there. And it shows that, uh, well, it certainly looks like they've sorted a lot of those problems. Helander yeah. looks fitter. Balligan looks a, a real fine. Goldson just looks a bit more assured this year. And, and a lot of the mistakes that came at the start, was it last season or season before seemed to be cut out his game they look a more solid but, unit but my only point Mark is that in terms of equaling and then surpassing a record set in 1906 mm. it means nothing and part of the seven um, clean sheets that Rangers have had was at Livingston where they dropped two points into the bargain so you can keep a clean sheet and it costs you at the same time who wins the league that's the important thing suppose it's a sign of, of, of progress though As Mark Wilson says Andy are they, are they doing anything different Do you think that's that's caused this Or is it just everything coming together at once Yeah I feel as if it's just everything coming together I think Listen You know the goalkeeper on the back four Will get a lot of credit But you know uh, Rangers very much so defend from the front And You know Like you said Listen You, you don't you don't win anything For getting seven clean sheets in a row But it's, it's very very encouraging signs for, for, for You know things to come And I look back at last season I can count on at least one hand whether there's games where Alan McGregor kept us in and kept us mm-hmm. maybe got us three points or, or got us an extra point. But right now, I think the most encouraging fact is they don't really look like conceding. But it's going to be a huge test next week because Hibs are Hibs are a more attacking team. That uh, it's Easter Road's a place where Rangers have dropped points over the last two or three seasons. So I think it's going to be a real test. Because that's what's strange about this John McLaughlin Alan McGregor debate you cannot take anything away from John McLaughlin he's been part of the seven clean sheets um, but you would just have to you have to admit if you're using your eyes to watch the game he's, he's not he's not really done much and again I hope that doesn't sound like a criticism of him but you get what I mean it's not no, like no. it's seven clean sheets where he's pulling off world class save every week yeah I, listen he still deserves a lot of credit there has been a couple of, uh, a couple of saves that he's had to make in games but uh, he's just been part of a very very solid unit right now and uh, the game where Rangers have been most tested was by a Leverkusen where Alan McGregor played and where he was excellent. He stopped it for maybe being that three or four again. So, listen, when he's fit, I believe Alan McGregor's still the number one at Rangers, but they've certainly got a great backup in John McLaughlin. Uh, Andrew, we're going to hear from Stephen Gerrard, and I'm sure he'll elaborate a bit more, but a brief taster of what he said is that Alfredo Morelos, it looks like it's just a cut or a gash in the knee, and he's got an outside chance of being involved in midweek. What did you make of that challenge? I thought the challenge was bang out of order. I thought that would have been a straight red card. I know um, Morelos can go down too easy and looking for free kicks, but um, after that tackle, I mean, the, the referee's got to look at it, look where the gash is, and he's got to give some sort of card on it. And that, he can't just walk away from that. And I, I know sometimes Morelos brings it on himself by being down too easy, but um, that, that tackle was a straight red card for me all day. 
Yeah, I'm not sure that's got anything to do with it, Andy. On this occasion, if you've got if you've got a hole or a cut in your leg, then it, it tells its own story. Yeah, and I think you can see for the replay that you know the follow through was high. And I'll say it again: if if Shaughnessy gets sent off as a couple of weeks ago, I don't know how that's not a red card. But you know, thankfully, if it is just a cut, you might have had to require a few stitches, but you shouldn't see him out for too long. Uh, but the two I'm most worried about is obviously the the two guys pulling up with what, what looks like muscle injuries. Well, let's hear from Stephen Gerrard. He's been speaking after that four 0 win against Dundee United at Ibrox, and here's what he had to say. Yeah, I think we rolled our luck at times. Certainly going at the crossbar and, and the save that John's made. Um, he also tried to come for the cross that could have obviously went against us, but. I think the players deserve a lot of credit for it. Uh, to be fair to Dundee, they didn't go away. They stayed at it. They wanted to be that team to score against us and be the first team to do that. Um, but the players um, stayed with it. So, obviously, very pleased with them in terms of the record. But more importantly, uh, the points. The points, it's another strong win at home with a clean sheet. So, I'm happy. Well, well look, um, I, I was impressed with Dundee today, the way they set up. And uh, the way they never um, give up, you know, that could have been a, a much heavier scoreline because we showed a lot of quality. And I don't want to uh, make any headlines and say a kid should have got this and should have got that. I don't want to be that type of a manager. But what I would say is I'd be very interested to see what the decision would have been from the officials if it was the shoes on the other foot and it was Alfredo who made that, that tackle. Well, just, uh, nine, ten, special goal and yeah, he's he's in a terrific place. Um, working hard, playing well. He's happy. He's looking ever so dangerous. Could have maybe got uh, in on the act even more. Uh, him and Yanis are linking up really well, playing close together, little combinations around the box, and um, it was a wonderful goal. People will say it was an individual goal, but uh, don't forget the part that Yanis played in that as well. Uh, I can't answer that question. Um, we, we've got lists that we're pursuing and we're, we're, we're trying to be active. Um, but in terms of names and how close we are, it's a difficult question for me to answer right now. Strange comment, that one. Um, you know, He says he doesn't want to be the kind of manager who would suggest that a player should get a red card or, or whatever. So he leaves that to one side but then makes an insinuation that if it had been Alfredo Morelos I'd have been interested to see what would have happened um, why? you know the, it wasn't Alfredo Morelos he was he was the, the victim he wasn't the, the man who made the challenge so why introduce that insinuation I, I, I don't know why he did it and I, I think that Stephen Gerrard after matches is, is a terrific listen uh, but I just find that a strange comment Better to say No I don't want to comment on whether he should get a yellow or a red card I don't want to be that type of manager And leave it at that without the insinuation Well Andy you've been in the dressing room There's clearly a feeling there that, that Alfredo Morelos is hard done by In comparison to other players in the league Don't get me wrong Sometimes he doesn't help himself But uh, there's certainly some times that we feel like the referees can protect them more because, listen, if, if, if I was playing against somebody on an opposition team that was like Alfredo, I'd be goading him as much as possible because I know that he's got mm. that he's got that fire in him where he can lash out. And that's where he's let himself down, uh, let himself down over the last couple of years. And uh, I, I think that's where the manager's frustrations came from. But, listen, uh, for me, obviously, I thought it was a red card. But, uh, you know, I, I think a lot of that is just frustration, what he said after it. Yeah, I have to agree. Listen, it's a, a straight red card for him. Um, yeah, Morelos doesn't help himself, but he, he was certainly on the receiving end of one there. And uh, I think the referee, when looking at that later, may think he, he's missed one there. 
Uh, 01419511025 Thank you to Andrew in Cumbernauld We're going to hear very soon from Neil Lennon as well After that convincing victory for Celtic in the Highlands Let's speak to Michael in Perth Hi Michael How you doing? Not bad, you? Uh, not so bad, Good. hi Daniel um, Just a quick one uh, There's a, the Celtic fan that was on He's going on about the Rangers players And they get to the Champions League I'm pretty sure my team got further than his last season But anyway um, Ruth, he uh, he seemed to initially be to me a bit of a poacher like an Ali McCoy type player, but as the game was going on today, I noticed Ken you see him on the halfway line doing his defensive work. And another player I don't think has been spoken about enough today is Bassey because when he came on, he was as eager as Barisic to get forward, get things going, and get them moving. Yeah, I'll put that to the guys. Mark Wilson is a member member of the fullbacks union. What did you make of Calvin Bassey? Yeah, I, I thought he looked decent when he came on. I, I thought there was one instance where he he went in a wee mazy run. I think he took three or four players and got to the touchline. Just couldn't quite cut it back, but he certainly looks full of pace. Andy will know better than me about him, but full of pace fits him all to the way Stephen Gerrard wants his fullbacks to play. Um, but he's got one hell of a job trying to get Barisic out of the way because what Barisic provides. Defensively now And attacking Is Is ideal for the modern day fullback. But I think he's one for the future If nothing else Hugh We need him to keep playing well So that people can't use that joke About you'd rather have Shirley yeah. we, just, we just don't need that Scottish football's Beyond no, no, Pattern no. like that Just wait October 17 right, okay. If he makes any appearance Or whatsoever <laughs> On October 17 You will hear Dame Shirley get a mention uh, But Andy Um I think you were mentioning to us I think it was during one of the breaks Don't worry It's not a, not a big secret That Calvin Bassey played against Rangers in a, in a bounce game last season And you felt that That was perhaps when Stephen Gerrard and, and his staff Got a good look at him Yeah it was just a behind Closed doors friendly at, at Ibrooks And it was just a game For the, the players that hadn't been In the starting 11 to, to try and get You know close to match fitness And, and Calvin Bassey Played for Leicester that day He actually played left centre back But what we did see in abundance Was just that pace and power And uh, that raw ability Physicality He's obviously a big boy And you, you like the caller said, you can see where the run he went on the left-hand side, how fast he is. But, uh, you know, he's young. He's uh, the, the difficult thing for him is he's trying to dislodge, you know, outside Ryan Kent, probably Rangers' best performer so far this season, and Borna Barisic. And he's, as he's improving his game, I'm sure he can help Calvin Bassey improve his as well. Yeah, Michael's opening point as well was about Kamar Roof and, and sort of different styles and what, what type of striker he is. What are, we, what are we learning about him so far? Well, my impression um, is he is a penalty box striker. Who, who plays in the middle of the post I think the goals he scored this season Has shown that so far He might have more More strengths his bow than that uh, I thought the first half was at the Was it St Mirren game He was pretty anonymous Was it St Mirren and Kilmarnock I'm getting mixed up But anyway He came alive in the second half Where Didn't do much in the first half But gets a goal in the second half And I think that's a sign of A good striker Doesn't have to be involved in things But when it really matters He's in and around the penalty spot If he mm-hmm. can put the ball In the back of the net He'll be An outstanding success For Rangers I know you'll have been Speaking to your Former teammates Andy What are they saying about him What's the impression That he's he's leaving early on Yeah well I, I, I take the Hamilton game Last week for example Where You know I, I spoke about earlier When, when Alfredo Morelos Came into the, the game That it was probably Going to be Kamar Roof That was either Deployed back out Wider and behind the striker But I take the Hamilton game For example where On that day Could have probably Scored a hat-trick but what I do like was in, he was in the right positions at the right time. So he has got that poachers and that striker's instinct. But his link-up play, obviously being able to play out wide and in behind is there as well. So hopefully uh, he can continue to develop at Rangers. And 
you know, if it looks like Alfredo's going to stay at the club, it looks as if they've got good options there. Uh, Michael in Perth, how concerned are you about the injuries? Ryan Jack and Brandon Barker and Leon Balligan and Alfredo Morelos. How worried are you about them going forward? Um, slightly, but I do feel like everybody's on the same page this season. Um, to touch on uh, what uh, the mushroom said. I believe the same with Roof, but I just think he's no as sharp. But as each game goes on, each half a game goes on, he's slowly getting better, and you can see his potential. Um, and another point is, no, you'll get it very often. But his mutual, I think Celtic are starting to click now. Um, Rangers are clicking, and I think we're on for a good day in this season. Like, certainly hope so. Thank you very much, Michael. In Perth, Neil Lennon's been speaking after that convincing win against Ross County. We'll tell you what he had to say next. The games are over. The talking begins. 0141-951-1025. Clyde One Super Scoreboards Open Line. Hugh Evans, Andy Halliday, and Mark Wilson in the studio. Gordon DL still with us in Dingwall, also, where he's just watched Neil Lennon Celtic sweep Ross County aside by five goals to nil. Let's hear from the Celtic boss. What did he make of it today? Yeah, a lot of positives. You know, I thought. Um, our first half wasn't great, you know, and we allowed Kennedy a little bit too much um, room in the in the wider areas. We didn't get our distances right, and that's okay because we, you know, it's a work in progress. I thought second half were superb, you know, and um, you know we looked a real threat, looked powerful, and uh, I thought my goalkeeper had a fine game when he was called upon, made some good saves. So that's something we'll need to analyse. But overall, I'm I'm thrilled. You know, we we will get better. I think we can play better, and we will get better as we go along. You spoke during the week about the fact that your players maybe haven't hit the heights yet that you think they can. Was this another sign of the fact that it's coming? I think so. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, um, and you know, it's a new, well, not a new formation, but we've got new personnel, and you know, it takes a bit of not once they take a bit of time. It took us 45 minutes to get the grips of it, and then second half, as I said, we look far more like ourselves. And I got excited about you know the way we played. Um, Credit County the team impressed us and made a real game of it but we showed real sort of quality and power in the second half and um, to score five away from home is um, you know it's a great achievement and I'm absolutely delighted with that It was Shane's first club game for two and a half months but it looked as if he'd been playing for a long time Yeah I mean he uh, he had the two games for Ireland I think which would have done him the world of good because he hadn't played much football same with Jetty you know Jetty needed the the run out and great strikers goal but um, I think Shane you know we all know what the club means to him, but the score on his debut. And I think after the goal, he just looked peerless after that. You know, he looked outstanding. I think I'd give him a lot of confidence. So he's getting used to us, our style of play, and we're getting used to him. But yeah, it's been a good day's work for him. I'm pleasing to see David coming off the bench as well. For Delighted, yeah, good player. You know, I think he showed some nice touches, so did Sorrel when he came on. So I think we've done good business in the window. And if we don't bring any more in, I hope you don't lose any more. You know, I'll be really happy with what we've got. You had a similar view of the game from Neil Lennon, Gordon Diel. Does his assessment match yours? 100%. I said that when I walked, watched him walk off at half-time, that a low 2-0 up, um, most people would be happy with that. His standards weren't. Uh, so he had a few words, and uh, I thought he was right. I thought second half, it looked a lot sharper. You've got a back three and a goalkeeper, and they're trying to get to know each other. Uh, Duffy just getting thrown in today, obviously. At the beginning, it was a bit sort of a over to you, John type thing. You know, they were looking at each other and, you know, they were waiting for a goalkeeper to come. It didn't happen. But 
you know, they were always in control and going forward, you know, the minute they break from the back, the power and the pace I've got in the middle to front is very, very good indeed. And uh, clean sheet, 5-0, back from the international break. They will get better, let me tell you. It was a real good performance, but they've got the players, they've got the quality. You look at the bench, it was a sitting in front to me, and they've got real quality in the squad as well. So it's going to be a real terrific season, especially the Rangers clean sheets, 1-4-0 and today. I am so looking forward to October 17th. The distance you are from home, some people would say you're away on an international break. But we'll get, we'll get to that again a bit later on. Let's bring in Andrew from Kirk and Tillock. What did you make of it today, Andrew? Well, I say then. Good, thank well, you. I just say, just like that. Wingman with a stag doing Benidorm Gordon Diel just stole all my points Absolutely <laughs> 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 ridiculous Gordon Diel man What are you doing? No listen I've got full confidence Andrew You can put them much better than he did On you go No what I was going to say was like The team looked really sluggish Really Lutlust in the first half uh, it was like When I played Mark Wilson in St Francis School Against Caledonia <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yeah, Caledonia uh, man are you Andrew? I'm a Caledonia man mate <laughs> Ah shame on you Oh I Actually I, I beat you twice um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, But no Celtic looked really sluggish to start That was never a 5 nothing game I thought Ross County gave a really good Account of themselves If they played like that all season They'll be fine you know, um, I, was, I was interested when Andrew opened up talking about stag do's because you've had, you've had a few of them in your time, Gordon. <laughs> <laughs> I've been a few countries, let me tell you. Yeah, I like a stag do and a wee bit of wedding cake and nothing like that. Um, give a, a few houses away. On a semi-serious note, what about some of Andrew's points? Well, Andrew's points matched yours, so I'm, I'm sure you'll agree. Yeah. I was thinking back to you know, Neil Lennon there talking about Shane Duffy, for instance, as well. And there has mm. been a lot of talk before anyone's even seen him in a Celtic jersey saying he'll be as much of an asset in the opposition box as he can be in, in the defending situation Is that what we saw today? I've just seen a rerun of the goal And it's kind of exactly right, the, it's, the, it's the type of header you expect from him isn't it? Yeah Gordon It's his first game today right And I, and you know I love the warm ups And I'm sitting here And I'm looking at him And he's really getting You know he's getting the players up for the game At the warm up And you're thinking well You know you usually see Scott Brown doing that He was so you know up for it I started sort of a sluggish Because it was a back three and obviously it was a back three, it's never played together. And it showed that for probably first 45 minutes. Second half, when they started getting used to each other, that's what he's all about. And the, the, the opposite penalty ball, I see him scoring a lot of goals this season, I really do. Because the quality coming in for the corners, if you've got McGregor, you've got Christie, people like that, they can put the ball where you want to go and attack it. And if they do that, then you've seen by his goal, you've said you've seen it there. He attacks like Brout, they're only one winner for that. Only one winner, and it ends up in the back of net. Andrew, what did you make of him? There's been so much said about the, the pursuit of him. Eventually you get him in, but it's international break. You then see him in action for the Republic of Ireland. Eventually makes his Celtic debut today. Did he impress you? I thought he looked a bit shaky at the start, but then he just, the absolute class shone through. It really did. He, Every header, every every ball that came anywhere near, he was commanding. He was actually you could see him speak to Julian and Aya, like you go here, they sent me a back three, and it's no. I mean, this is like an absolute new formation, as in like a new personnel, and it just fits Celtic. I just think James Forrest on the left does not does not suit it. Uh, just in the anger shoehorning, it's the same as what uh, Steve Clark done to Scotland. 
They're trying to issue home players and hey, just to try and get them into the team. Mm. What about that Gordon DL? Because all, all I've heard all week is that James Forrest's not a wing back, and now we're seeing him at, at left wing back. Granted, it's maybe different for Celtic because they tend to attack a bit more than Scotland do. I picked up in, a, in the first half, Gordon, when I said that he looked like he didn't know to twist the stick. He looked like he was thinking, do I go further up the pitch? Or do I come back and make it sort of a, a four-five at the back when Ross County are attacking? And the number of times that the chances Ross County had to put a diagonal ball, and I think they they produced it say once or twice. And Stewart, you know, he's six foot plus against Forrest at back post and won it. But in the second half, when the back three got a grip of the game, the middle of the park were dominating. Forrest was then allowed to go in the forward positions. And when he picks the, pace up, uh, the, the, the ball up and the pace he goes at defenders, he terrifies them. He's a, I think he's a terrific player. Uh, would he, he could play there at left wing back. Would I say that that's his, his best position? Absolutely no. I think he's suited better on the right-hand side probably up a bit but with the Celtic when you play against them and your opposition team you drop off and give them a ball so it's not really a big worry until you come up against the big games like i.e. 17th October I keep harping on about uh, What about that front two then because I know they both scored so in, in one respect the most important respect it worked what about the partnership well, how did they link up and how did it benefit Celtic in an attacking sense? Well, it's going to take time, like the back three, of course it is, but I do think Celtic are a bigger threat when they play two up top. Showed today, three setting and forwards got goals. Edward's just, you know, he's a class act. Um, it allows him to come deep, allows him to get any positions to turn and go at defenders. He's wee one-two for a penalty kick, and then he sticks away the penalty kick like it's a Sunday league game. Um, you know, his partner, Ayeti, I thought... He just looks to me, he does not want any part of the build-up gone. It, it, it reminds me of a poor Celtic me type thing. I hated running outside the 18-yard box. That's for guys with less skill than myself. Put the ball in the, the box and let me come alive. That's exactly the player he has. He's, he reminds me a little bit of, say, Gary Hooper, for instance. Comes alive when that ball goes in the 18-yard box, six-yard box. His positions are great. He's got off to a great start. What's that, three goals or something? Yeah. And he's not played a lot of football for Celtic. He just looks a type of guy that he, w he will not notice him for long periods of game and then, bang, he'll put the ball in the back of it. I'll give you credit. You certainly are an opportunist because it was Neil Lennon said that he thinks that a Yeti's like Gary Hooper and now you're passing it off as your own just much like you would in the six-yard box. <laughs> when you about I didn't even hear him saying oh, that. Did he say that? give us that. Boys, boys, honestly, I'm sitting here. I'm going to tell you the truth. I did not hear him saying no, that. No, it was about three but weeks ago. What? Oh, was it? Well, probably Neil's listened to me in the programme. You've got to understand. You'll not even remember who Gary Hooper was. Oh, he was. He's Tommy's brother. <laughs> right, we'll send you down the road eight minutes to six. I don't even Tommy. know who Tommy Hooper was. I don't know. What, ah, I don't he, even he's thinking of, he's thinking of Tommy Cooper. Oh, my, that's the worst. Cooper show. <laughs> oh, no. Right, time right, for me. That's to go the forward. worst attempt at a joke we've ever heard. And that's saying something. Oh, my. Get, get right, yourself okay. down the road. See you Tuesday. You'll be home by then. Uh, right, thank you to Andrew in Kirk and Tillock on the line. And let's see if we can hear from Jim Goodwin What a situation it's been at St Mirren Three goalkeepers affected by coronavirus restrictions They had to sign Bobby's Lamal from Hearts at the last minute He played today Let's get Jim Goodwin's take on a very interesting situation Well, yeah, I mean it was uh, a really ridiculous situation We found ourselves in yesterday And I don't think any of us expected uh, 
you know, to be forced to play the game. We felt that given the circumstances, given the fact that we had no other recognised goalkeeper registered at the club, we felt that the authorities would have seen sense, yeah, showed some compassion to our situation. But unfortunately that wasn't the case. We were told that the game would have to go ahead regardless. And in, the, in this circumstance that we find ourselves in, this situation that we find ourselves in, it's not easy to find goalkeepers who have been tested um, and who have shown negative tests. And we would, just wouldn't have been able to get somebody up from down south in time to get the test done, to get the result back in time for kickoff. Fortunately, Hearts were good enough to, uh, to lend us Bobby's Lamal. You know, we were able to go with a, a keeper that's got good Premier League experience, but obviously the situation has been a disaster. Can you give an explanation as to why? No, no explanation. I mean, I'm just, you know, unfortunately, all the dialogue I have is with Tony Fitzpatrick. So, you know, me and Tony are in constant dialogue all the time. But Tony's getting the messages back from the SPFL. But, you know, there is no uh, explanation. I'm hoping that I will be able to speak with uh, the SPFL at some point tomorrow or Monday. Yeah, try and get some kind of an explanation and try and find out why they thought this was OK. It does seem a bit strange that earlier on in the season, Aberdeen and Celtic have their games postponed for COVID-related issues as well, and obviously it hasn't happened with St Mirren. No, I mean, and this that's, that's the thing, you know, if, if this had been caused by our negligence or by our players doing something stupid and that they shouldn't have been doing, then, you know, I don't think we would have got a great deal of sympathy from anybody. The fact that we as a club have done everything to the letter, um, and unfortunately the lads have picked it up, then, yeah, like I said, you know, compassion is the word I'm looking for, and that's, I think something that's just going to miss yesterday and um, common sense I think is the other best way to sum it up you know there was no common sense shown whatsoever I know you disagree Hugh but he puts up a pretty good case he does um, I think the most important thing is that Jim makes contact with someone at the SPFL whether it's Neil Doncaster or anyone else and finds out where they prepared to let St Mirren play with an outfield player in goal because then the integrity of the competition is called into question I would like to hear the SFA explanation before being condemnatory or anything else. Uh, but as Jim Goodman acknowledged there, Bobby Lamal was a goalkeeper of good Premier League experience. Therefore, what happened today, I do not think can be laid at Bobby Lamal's door. Uh, but were the SPFL willing to allow a club or willing to order a club to start the game with an outfield player in mm. goal I don't think that would be a good look Andy we did say at the start Even if you do think the game should go ahead Surely everyone's got sympathy with St Mirren I mean the way that that's come about Yeah I sympathised for them before And I actually sympathise for them more even now uh, Even more so now Jim says that their understanding was If they couldn't get a goalie in Which was always mm. going to be difficult to get one in Thankfully they did But the game just still yeah. went ahead Yeah apparently Sam Foley was going, was going <laughs> to play in goal Had they not got one in I couldn't even tell you who Sam Foley is I'm going to be honest with you here so I was worried it was going to be Jamie Langfield who's been retired for about four years so listen it's a, it's an extremely difficult situation and it's one if it does happen again hopefully there's a bit more clearer advice Yeah, I stand by my opinion on it I think the game should have been called off and Jim's echoed that I think there should have been compassion there, could, there should have been common sense if they couldn't get that emergency loan what position would they have been in they've lost the game now but again it's grey areas in our game that we need 
cleared up Right that's one we can get stuck right into on Monday night As we will do with all the other big talking points Convincing wins for Celtic and Rangers Other wins for Aberdeen and Hibs and Mullerwell uh, And of course Hamilton on the road at Livingston as well Thank you Hugh, Andy and Mark for joining me in the studio Thanks to the top team all around the grounds And as always the biggest thanks goes to you Thank you for listening, for calling, for tweeting We'll be back on Monday at 6 with Hugh and Alex And you know what time it is, GBX up next <laughs>